previously on Creek Chat. The Creek, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring back the three pack. Well, it's me, Russell Problems. Do you hear the way these teenagers talk? What the fuck is happening on this creek? Except for Jen. I mean, people either like or they hate her. The Jen I'm thinking of, and I'm like, oh shit, it's one of my favorite characters, is season three Jen. You do you, boo. You do you. Uh, oh, it's the audition for bedroom buddy. Back in the bedroom with Dawson. It's going to be mostly about how Pacey's going to react to it. He's going to get fucked up. Would you just stop showing us your butt? Uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Uh. Still don't got Bodie. This show is fucking chock full of pedophiles. Dawson, like you pack said. your bags. Are you going on a trip? I got to be traffic. Creek's busy this time of night. Welcome to 50 Randy Quades Presents Creek Chat. I am your host, JT, mindless, soulless, spineless wench money. And with me, my special guest and co-host. It's me. It's me. It's Chucky B. I'm no longer the helpless lunatic because I got sane and suddenly everybody else got crazy. You know that's right. Um, so we're here to talk about the first three episodes. We're back with the three pack of season three. It's a three pack, baby. And it's like a virgin. It's homecoming and it's none of the above, but it's actually all of the above. But wait, no, it's just Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And super obviously Andy, too. And we'll explain what was super obviously Andy when we get there. So what we're going to do here moving forward in season three We mentioned this before, but let's solidify it, because there's a heavy contender that's come out in the first three episodes. Who that is introduced in season three is the spinoff based on Young Americans. You see a character like Eve, and that's got to pique your interest as far as your guest, Chuck. Oh, there's definitely uh, a handful of new characters that make the ranks of my list in season three. See, I think... Um, I think you will be best served for me and our great listenership of, um, you know, Creek fans and 50 Randy Quaid's fans alike that I will give you my guess on the season three finale. I like that, but along the way, I'm going to make sure to bring it up, remind our listeners that this game is still happening, point out potential candidates. Another one brought up here, Young Henry, played by Michael Pitt of Boardwalk Empire fame as well. And see, uh, Michael Pitt, I got to I mean, like, like you, you brought up Eve. I got to say, Michael Pitt's got to be a front runner. I feel like they both are, because as far as... Obviously, this is at a point in Michael Pitt's career because you got to look at it from the outside of the character perspective, but also who the actor is perspective. This is the beginning of Michael Pitt, for sure, right at the outset of his career. There's no way he went on to the success he had and went to Dawson's Creek as like his third or fourth thing that he did. 
this is right in the beginning. Yeah. I could be wrong. This has got to be one of the first things he did. But Brittany Daniels, who plays Eve, already had had success prior to. So she's doing the opposite of Michael Pitt on Sweet Valley High, where I think she played her and her own twin. If I'm not mistaken, I've never watched it. Did not know. I know her from some uh, movies. Oh, for sure. And she's made a lot of other TV guest spots along the way, too. I think there was, the like, too. Club Dread she was in. Absolutely. She and was in that. she was also in... Um, fuck. Uh, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, she did. She, I yes. think. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. That was going to be the reference I was going to bring transgender up. Transgender character. So there are definitely two frontrunners presented in these first three episodes for who this could be based on. So and then it, there's, like, the new characters that pretty much became of no meaning. Well, Belinda. Belinda. Uh, like Belinda and the other cheerleaders before but they ser- Jen became the queen. But that's Belinda came in and served her purpose. She was the queen that Jen dethroned by miraculously becoming head cheerleader because she called everyone on their shit and then all the cheerleaders just followed her suit. And that's the thing. The other cheerleaders don't matter. They're sheeple, as people say. And they just kind of follow the, the leader and Jen became the leader. So they are inconsequential. We get Principal Green, but you can't imagine they're going to do a spinoff of, of Principal Green. I mean, they could. But right, they could. Maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm just trying to throw you off the scent. I did, um, you know, because when, when he got first introduced, I was like, oh, okay, new, like, a new like teacher part, but he's the principal. I was mm-hmm. like, we didn't really see the old principal as far as I know, so like, why are we really going to see this guy? I guess he's going to be more heavily involved now. And I was like, where do I know this guy from? I was like, oh, you know, so fucking familiar. Oh, you and know, I was like, and then during like the second or the third episode, I was I even wrote it down somewhere. No, it was the third episode. It was like the second or third thing I wrote down. I was like, I finally realized that he's from how high you got it. You got it. He's the father of Lisa Turtle. Um, now, before we get really? into. Yeah, she plays. Isn't she his daughter in that movie? Lark Voorhees? He's like the oh, dean. Is she his daughter in that movie? I'm pretty sure. Shit, I think you're right. I, it's, dude, been it's been a while so long since, since I've seen How High. Same here. We might have, have, did, you guys already, it, but, did you guys already do that for 50 Randy Quaid's? Uh, there's, I do not think so, but I don't see why we wouldn't be oh, able we have to, to do it in the future. No, we have to now. If, it, if I have to take a pick to do it, we're going to do it. So, listeners of 50 Randy Quaid's, keep that one in mind. Before we move on to your predictions, I also want to introduce a second game we're playing on this very, very chill show called Creek Chat, and that's how many times can you hear the ice cubes clinking in my gin and tonic throughout the episode? I hope you can hear it right now. I'm intentionally doing it right now. I hope you can hear it in the background while I'm speaking. I'm going to be trying to be mindful to put it down when I'm talking, but I just want the listeners to know how committed I am to keeping it chill here. Let's talk about your predictions here, buddy. Let's talk about him for episode one, Like a Virgin. Um, well, you say Dawson's like a virgin in the fact that he hasn't been on a lot of trips, just like he hasn't been having sex. I don't know what you were getting at there, and maybe that's true, but he definitely did go to Philly. He definitely interned, because that's what you said he was going to do. Um, then you said Jack and Jen are acting like virgins, because they're both not virgins. Also not sure what you're going for with that. Uh, Grams will also totally be acting like a virgin. Um, we got some grams, but she was more in the background. But that's how you should treat it. If she's not going to be integral to what's happening, at least no, remind just, us remind us that she's there. 
which they did. She just points out that uh, Jack and Jen basically act like they're married. And she ushers. Except there's no sex. Well, in, in some of the later episodes, like, she introduces Mr. McPhee into the property so that him and Jack can have a conversation. She calls him at some point and says something, too. Like, so, they again, they're like, Grams is still there. You might not see Grams, but she hasn't disappeared with Cliff again. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I need. And um, I specifically wrote down something about one of our other mysteriously disappearing, but apparently will once again one day appear characters. Uh, Bodie, because at one point um, in this episode, Betsy specifically says, I spend all my time with this little baby. I need some time with an actual person. So you got to tell me some fucking shit that's going on in your life, Joey. I need some fucking human contact other than this little baby. Where the fuck is Bodie? All right. So as a multiple time viewer of the show, I have never once been so invested in where Bodie's at. And here's why. <laughs> Here's here's why. Is it because I'm all of a sudden bringing it up by no, wondering where these fucking characters just disappear to? That's part of it, though. But ultimately, here's why in the past, I think, I've never really cared. Because Bodie is an inconsequential character. He doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Then why so, introduce him in the first place? Just I'm not going to get into the why. I'm just saying... Why now I'm so invested in it? Because in the past, I honestly think I just never noticed he wasn't around. Because he didn't matter. So if he's not there, shit's still popping off with Dawson and Joey, with Andy and Pacey, with J- Joey, and wh- whatever the fuck is going on in her life with her creepy new coworker. So I just didn't care. But you've been so on top of where Bodie's at that I can't help but be there too. And I'm wondering, and I know he does come back. How do they explain where the fuck he's been and why he's back now? What is, or does he and, just show up one day and we're supposed to act like nothing happened? And it's and it's not like they're explaining him away. No, she's specifically going out of her way to say that she spends all of her time with this baby and doesn't see anyone but her. And it's not but even Joey. like, but it's not even like, oh yeah, because Bodie left or we broke up or he died or something. It's just he never existed is how it feels. She's still got yeah, this it's baby. It's all of a sudden like Bodie's just gone. But he'll be and back. And he's just the person we don't talk about. Maybe he went to he's prison. He's like fucking Voldemort, keep... man. No, he went to prison and they're keeping it hush. Yeah, no. but I mean. Uh... Okay, but. I bet you he's not doing what you guessed the the triumvirate of friends at Graham's house will be doing, and that's playing board games or maybe going to church, which they don't do either of those things here. Um, you say Andy will not be back in Like a Virgin, which is accurate. She doesn't come back until homecoming. Pacey is going to be working at the video store having combos with his dad. Did you get that right? Do you want to snap for that one? Uh, he did have a combo. <laughs> he, he asked... He asked uh, Joey to call his dad because he couldn't drive home. That's in the third. Wasted. That's in the third episode, though. So it doesn't After apply here. A fateful fucking decision was made. All right, so let's talk about the breakdown here for episode one, like a virgin. Dawson returns from spending the summer in Philadelphia with his mother, and on the journey home, meets a beautiful blonde girl, Eve, who takes a liking to him. I feel like takes a liking to him is the wrong way of putting what she does. She takes a liking to toying with him. 
she found herself a little plaything and is just stringing his little naive ass along for a ride. That's Eve's role. I, I don't like Eve as a character at all. I got questions about this opening scene. And I'll just wait for you to get through your breakthrough because it is a very serious question. Well, on with the breakthrough then. He hasn't spoken to Joey all summer. Jen gets an unexpected offer after she stands up to the school's popular crowd. Then that's the, the head cheerleader gig we talked about. Uh, yeah. Very interesting turn of events for Jen Lindley this season. And Jack, who becomes a star football player. Mitch becomes the new coach of the high school football team and leaves for a coaching conference. In a moment of madness, Dawson crashes Mitch's boat and he and Pacey hatch a crazy plan to raise money to fix it. Okay, in a moment of madness, he crashes... Cra- I can't say crashes So get a blowjob? Yeah, that's not a moment of madness. That's a moment Because that's pleasure. what happened, right? Pleasure. Uh, all right. If he didn't get a blowjob, the implication is that he got a blowjob or at least like... He or was at least one. getting a handy... She came closer to his penis than anyone has before, and he crashed a boat because of it. <laughs> he had him getting a blowy, or at least a handy. Listen, all of the implication in my mind is she was going to go down on him. They don't show us. All it is, is she disappears out of the screen. Boom. He's crashed into Logan's Marina, which is where Joey and the Creep are working. Like, fucking Jesus, Dawson. Pacey awaits the return of Andy, who has spent the summer in the hospital. Pacey literally does not bring up Andy, and no one really mentions Andy at all, like Pacey at least, until, I shouldn't say no one does, but Pacey doesn't until the end of the episode, where he doesn't even say her name, he just talks about, like, he understands missing someone that it might not be right for him to be with right now. So she kind of is just, like, in the back of his mind. It feels like this episode. Ah, it's not the implication I got from it. I'm not saying that that's what it was supposed to be, because he was clearly occupied dealing with Dawson's bullshit and trying to coach him through Eve this episode. So he had he had he had his hands full here, running the the underage impromptu house strip club where he was running the door and pocketing cash while he was taking collections. Did you catch him do that? He slipped one of the twenties that someone gave him into the no, pocket I didn't, of his shirt. Notice that. Oh yeah, when he was running the front door, he slipped a twenty into his front pocket. I loved Pacey in this episode. This was carefree, having a good time, cut loose Pacey. I I really like the Pacey character in general. He's probably coming into this season, even with the truth bomb, which that's what I'm going to call it at this point until it happens. That's what it is. It's the truth bomb. I know it. No, let's embrace it. Let's embrace it here because no, because that's how I watched this episode. No, knowing that information, I was picking up on things and i was just like all right this is this is cla- like okay like when um like when dawson does a classic pro wrestling fucking maneuver and he tells his best friend to go watch after uh his lady he's like hey You're man i can't wrestling. deal with this shit you need to fucking uh you need to go you know watch out for my lady and make sure nothing crazy happens and you are pushing Pacey right into him, just like the Taskmaster pushed Crispin Ra right into woman. I was going to say, I hate that that's the first example I think of, but that's exactly what it is. This doesn't end as tragically as that does. But Let's Dawson, hope not. They, they telegraph it, and you look at the interactions they have with each other throughout these episodes, 
And if you didn't know, I would venture to say you wouldn't already be guessing that that's where things are headed. I don't think so. I think you'd still have your Dawson and Joey blinders on and be saying, we're going to get back to that. I could be wrong. Because knowing it, and you knowing it now too, it feels really telegraphed from the outset that this is where it's headed. The end of episode one is those two, she's crying on his shoulder on her dock in a tender moment. And they have a couple other really serious moments throughout these episodes. It just feels really like... When it happens, they've put the history there for you. Oh, yeah. It, it makes sense. Like, especially now where I'm all like, like, step one, you know, send Pacey to watch over Joey. Do they get together with, with each other because they can't be with who they want to be with? And that's what I put down right there. I was like, I was like, is it kind of a just like where they both recognize, hey, we want to be with someone else, but they, you know, this isn't going to happen. And we stand in common ground and we know what each other's feeling going through. And they, they have that history. I tried to put you off of using this as like a guessing point in the last episode. Now I'll say again, like, you know how it ends. Just go for the ride. I would say don't try and speculate how they get there. Just sit back, know that you know it gets there, and just enjoy it. Just enjoy it, because yeah. it is, it's a good, dude, it's a good ride. It's such a beautiful, it's why I'm anti-Dawson and Joey in the end, is because I prefer Pacey and Joey. I'll put that out there right now here. I'm team Pacey and Joey. I don't, well, you never I, know. I might be Team Pacey and Joey once I see it in action because I'm Team Pacey right now. Especially my, with this fucking three-pack, the way it opens up, I am like Team Fuck You Dawson because you are reverting back to a character I do not fucking like. Disagree. Disagree. Well, he, all right, he might be reverting back to a character you don't like, but he's not reverting back to the character that he was. Because no, no, I him, didn't say reverting no, back I know. to the character he was. No, I know. I like Dawson here. He's being a sucker. He's being taken for a ride by someone who clearly knows how to manipulate him. But I don't think he's doing anything wrong in these episodes. He's just kind of figuring it out like a 16-year-old should be doing. Like he says with the test in episode 3 that Eve gives him, he didn't bring it to them with anything in mind other than I wanted your guys' opinion on this. Now, all right, is the logical thing, you know what the right thing to do is, and that's not use this test, not show it to anyone and pretend like you never saw it. He knows, and we know, that that's probably the right thing to do. But he's a 16-year-old kid who wants to bang this hot-ass chick who is trying to get him to use this test... He's got friends that he knows could use it, and maybe there's no moral gray area for them. So he just wants to check and see. Maybe they do want it, and he doesn't really have a problem if they take it. All right, so we're done with this breakdown because there's a couple of things that I've taken on. No episode, no right there. I'm done with episode one breakdown. Um, Do you want me to? Because there's something that immediately wrote down that I was like, I need JT to explain this. I need to explain himself. In fact, oh boy, why is that? So in this very opening scene, when our supposed hero Dawson is on his way back from Philadelphia on a bus that I apparently wrote down as a train, uh-huh. and <laughs> this y- lovely young woman... Wait, you wrote that down as a train? Yes. They showed a bus that said Cape Cod on it. Yeah, I wrote down train. I don't know why. You're going to have to explain yourself. That was an accident. Okay, anyway... So he wakes up and he wipes off some drool and she says to him, 
like a question about, oh, what are you watching? Mm-hmm. And he looks down into his like lap mm-hmm. where something I imagine an electronic of some sort would yeah. be playing a movie. Now, uh-huh. as a show that is fucking made a point to not have pretty much any sort of technology where like cell phones are non-existent, I assume that other techno- technological advances would be also non-existent. So that where I was like, hmm, I think JT needs to explain himself because this right here is something that contradicts exactly okay. what he... Like, as soon as You've Dawson been, leaves buddy, Cape buddy. Side, he becomes... It's like, as soon no, as he leaves Cape Side, he's able to get some fucking technology. Hey, idiot, idiot. If this is the first time you're pointing this out, you've missed the boat. There's already been a laptop on this show before this. This is not the first time technology has shown up. I'm not saying technology doesn't exist. I'm saying it's not a major influence on the story. And it isn't. Because they even show that a DVD player is a new and expensive thing here. When he says later, like, I've got $42 right now. Even if I sell my DVD player, I'll still be almost $2,000 short, and he owes $3,000. So that's saying he could get almost $1,000 for his DVD player. That means yeah, that I technology is... grossly overstated. No, it's brand new. It's brand new technology. When that shit came out, that shit was super expensive. I don't know about $1,000, but they were at least $500. The same thing with Blu-ray players when they first came out. New technology is super expensive, and then it gets cheap once everyone's already got it. So this is brand new DVD player time. Of course, it's probably a $500 unit. Yeah, but you can get something like that even when they're super expensive for super cheap when you know how to do it. You like think his, his parents? You think his parents didn't just spoil him and buy him the most expensive well, DVD yeah, player I'm out sure there? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, then he could do oh, that. Let's work. But I, let's work like, with I the bought reality. a Blu-ray player when they were super expensive, but I got it. Who fucking cares? Off. Who fucking cares? Dawson didn't buy this for himself. His parents spoiled him and bought him at full price because they wanted to spoil him. Don't come at me with this technology shit. Of course it exists. I'm saying it doesn't matter. And it doesn't. Because they don't even sell the DVD player. They have a fucking strip club. Yeah, they do have a strip club. Killing me. And Pacey fucking me. loves going there. He's the one who and came Eve up with the idea. Works there. And okay. I want to know, like, how does this high school student work at a strip club? Oh, well, how did Pacey and Dawson get in there? She could work there if she's 18. She's a senior. She said she's yeah, a senior. Yeah, I guess that's true. But she wasn't... No, here's the funny thing. She doesn't work there. She's a temp. I didn't know they had temps at the strip clubs. She's full of shit. She's full of shit. She didn't work there. She walked in, picked up a drink tray when she saw those two were there, because she's obviously stalking Dawson. She just keeps showing up. She shows up at his house when she doesn't know where he lives and is already inside. So, like, she's stalking the hell out of Yeah, that was kind of weird. She I thought that was there. alarming, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like, she's beautiful, and he was all like, he just dismisses it. So I was all like, all right, if Dawson's going to dismiss it, then I guess as the viewer, I can dismiss it. Not only does he dismiss it, Pacey is encouraging it. Like, he is just sitting there going, yeah, <laughs> Well, that's, where, that's one of the things I take umbrage with. You're saying that he wants to sleep with her. I don't think he did at all, Ooh. because she was fucking basically throwing herself at him multiple times all right i'm not saying that he that's his motivating factor and that's all he wants to do there's what i'm saying there's a part of him that wants to sleep with her he obviously and doesn't she basically he doesn't was ready her. to blow him on the boat and he crashes 
well, that was just an accident. Like, whatever, that happens. They were going to get down behind the screen at the pep rally, and then he sat on the button and revealed them to the whole school. Although, again, Eve, bad plan. It's like she's trying to get caught. And that's where I think maybe she doesn't really have sex with him either, because she keeps doing it in these situations where she knows it's not going to work for this guy. She knows who he is, too. By the end of the third episode, she's basically, like, saying, like... Yeah, but the funny thing is... Is like all these things actually like even though they're backfiring in certain aspects, um, they're backfiring and making Dawson look fantastic. Cause like he's a junior in high school and he's getting revealed with a pretty fucking hot chick who's supposedly a senior and in front of like the whole school with all these jacks and stuff like that and everybody's going crazy i wrote down everybody is going crazy they fucking loved it even mitch was fucking chuckling dude the like, band the laughing, band started dude. playing like, the it. band the band started playing that's what put it over the top for me is when they started playing dude the i mean it's like everybody there was like yeah woo! so we've we've absolutely lost the plot on this episode in terms of what we're talking about and what breakdowns and predictions i've done we're completely off the fucking rail right here so i'm not sure how to bring it was this a crazy thing. fucking three pack all you need to know that man was this was a three then crazy fucking then let, no but then let's stop right here let me get the predictions and the breakdowns out of the way at least and then we can just fucking talk about whatever because otherwise we're not going to get to any of these and it's going to be two hours later so your predictions for homecoming andy's back got it no idea what's going on with the mom and dad. I'm going to say mom is stuck at the hospital, in which case dad will be making sporadic visits back, and Andy will be like, I'm just going to be running this house again. That's We don't know what's up with mom. She doesn't come up at all. Dad is doing the kind of sporadic visit thing after he brings Andy back to Capeside, because somehow it magically works now when it didn't work before, and he's not selling the house. Well, Grams <laughs> is even makes the, the point of saying it was a smart idea moving the business to Capeside to... So Oh, I didn't catch the moving to business to Cape Side part. Okay, that makes sense then. That makes sense then. Um and well his dad even says, like, Jack, I don't know if it's good for you to come back. And you're thinking, and Jack takes it as like, Oh, you don't like you don't like me. But they make it pretty clear in his tone from the beginning. He's like, Listen, it's not because I'm not ready, even though I'm not ready to deal with this, but you're also not going to feel comfortable with me there. And you need to feel comfortable to do these things that I want you to do. You're better off being here with Grams and Jen right now while I learn to accept what you are. You learn to accept what you are. And I, because he even asked him to move back in later. And Jack says no, but he's like, just ask Once me he again finds later. Out he's a superstar. Well, he's the end of, but that makes sense, though, because it's like, all right, I, I kind of felt like we never had anything to connect on before. And as superficial as that is, seeing you up there as a football player made me realize, like, he is just any other kid. No matter what this other bullshit is and what's been going on in and outside of his sexuality. So just come come home and we'll be a family again. And Jack wisely says no, but then says, hey, ask me again later. Showing that, like, I'm not writing you out of my life yet either. So they kind of make that a much better feeling situation than it was before, while still leaving Jack in the most beautiful of households to be in. Because him and Jen are clearly doing really well in this three-pack. You want to talk about devoid of drama? Really? Look at those two. They're just moving up in the world. It's almost like they have a really great relation. Like, they do have a really great relationship, but it's almost like it's almost like they're dating, but they're not because he's gay they're like just best friends that oh yeah they're they are also in my opinion because you can you call dawson and joey the best friends and that's 
a fair description. I think Soulmate is more accurate to the connection that they portray those two to have. And I think they may have even dropped that term already on this show. Best Friends is Jen and Jack to me because they come together at vulnerable times in their lives and make each other better people with Grams' help. A side of Grams cannot be understated. Her guidance and influence in this whole thing, and she becomes more prominent too. Like, Grams isn't always just that background, you live in my house character. See, I, I called this the Jen and Jack Alliance. I think I'm now I'm just going to call it the Mighty Alliance. Oh, I like that. that. Includes, that includes Grams. I like that. Fan We're fave, go- Grams. Fan fave. The, the favoritest of the fans. Um, I mean, that that's like, you know, the, the altar to fan fave would definitely be fucking a hot heel um, and Bodie. And Bodie? <laughs> he's, the heel, he's the hot heel of this show. There's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. Where the fuck um, are you? So in, in episode two, Homecoming, you start off by saying Dawson is still in Philly and then go, oh, wait, no, maybe he's coming home. That makes sense. Um, but you saying he's going to start. That's because you tripped me up. I didn't trip you up. I got you in the right bring direction. Him up, and then you're all like, what about Dawson? Yeah, I want to know what you think is going to happen to characters when you're making predictions and leaving out the guy the show is named after seems like a pretty obvious omission. But you say well, he's going to start... I, didn't, I mean, like, some of these things, I have to make room for the fact that there could be a new character coming in that totally fucks shit up for one of us. Then go characters. ahead and... Then why don't you just go ahead and predict a new character and see what happens? Just make one up. They happen often enough that you would probably at least be right that there's a new character 50% of the time. You might not be right about what that character is, but you'd get new character i definitely right? said there was going to be some new high school kids and I was you did about you did that. you did we'll get to that um but before we get to that uh you said dawson's going to be gritty now because he's back in cape side and starting to set up his third film now gritty this is the grittiest he dawson Leary's ever been okay he did a propaganda <laughs> film for a pep rally but yeah sure he did a short film yes. yeah <laughs> Got it. Nailed I, it. I, you know what? I am. I'm going to give you credit for that. It's not his third film, but he made a fucking propaganda film, so you got it. Uh, but he's he is grittier than he's ever been, too. These three episodes are the darkest that Dawson's ever been in terms of his behavior. That party he threw was a slap in Mitch and Gail's face, even though Gail ain't living there. That was a yeah, big, he, he, dirty like, party. At the same point, though, when he explains it to Mitch, he's all like, all right, so I fucked up real hard, right? But he's well, like, Mitch seems cool. this hot Mitch... chick was blowing me, and <sighs> I needed to pay for this boat damage, dude. <laughs> no, so, like... seemed... Also, if you're talking about parents of divorce and all that, like, generally speaking, from what I've heard, they're a lot more lenient because it's a matter of currying favor with your child. So, although I don't think Mitch would have been pissed no, if Gail were there, this would have been a situation because Gail would have been fucking livid oh, about yeah. no, about. No, we both know that Mitch wasn't pissed because he laughed when yeah, he did. his son was revealed with uh, with Eve. Well, let's hear about this. As Pacey and Joey leave Capeside to collect Andy from hospital, Dawson is manipulated by his father from and the hospital. school. That's a very uh, British way of putting that. Um. Dawson is manipulated by his father and the school principal to produce a film about football for the upcoming pep rally. I have manipulated isn't right. Forced into is correct. They were like, you don't have a choice. Mitch is like, you owe me. You're making this film. Dawson's like, all right. And he even tells Principal Green, he's like, this team hasn't won for like three seasons. 
How am I going to make ah, a film worry, about I got how this good they're? Wide receiver on my sleeve. But no, but here's what I want to know though, because Cliff made a film called Helmets of Glory, and I'm always I'm going to bring Cliff up as often as I can as we move forward, and I'm going to run out of opportunities eventually, so I'm going to take this one. But he made the movie called Helmets of Glory, which was based on the true experience of him coming in and winning a game. I'm pretty sure like winning a big game, which implies that they had won even more games before that game. How long ago was that if they've been winless for three straight seasons, which would be going back like two years before season one even happened? And I think Cliff was a senior. Maybe he was a transfer student? Oh, no, because it's about, I think they say it's about Capeside. Hmm. Well, then that's a continuity issue. I heard it and I was like, none of this makes sense, but I can live past that. It's not a big deal. However, the ultimate stars of the film which is seen by many students and teachers, are Dawson and Eve, who inadvertently appear semi-clothed. But they're not in the film! That doesn't make any sense, Breakdown! They're behind the screen. They are the main attraction of the pep rally, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. And, like, Dawson gets super... uh, Dude, I gotta feel like one of my predictions right here is that Dawson has gotta be a pretty popular kid right now because, like... He gets revealed with this super hot senior, like, looking like they're going to try to bang right behind this screen. And, and on, top, on top of that, And in this has world, this huge fucking party charging 20 bucks a pop for people to come in and fucking stare at strippers. And in this world, they make it clear by Jack's reaction to Henry, a freshman, trying to get with Jen, a junior, that being upper or underclassman has a fucking... A, 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 it's supposed to mean something right so dawson being a junior now being an upperclassman that's already working in his favor and yeah all the other shit you're talking about but the dude who crashed the boat while getting a blowjob like that word didn't get out yeah you know, come on you know, creepy guys started spreading that word all around town but he was this jerking off to it blown, crashed his boat and then apparently that's how him and his ex reunited for the first time the same night jen is revealed to be the new head cheerleader and jack the new star of the football team Two facts which stun Pacey, Joey, and Andy, who are watching from the audience. And yeah, Andy is like, what happened while I was gone besides me cheating on you, Pacey? Did everyone go crazy? Oh, uh, yeah, wait, hold on. Did I just drop that? Like, she says like verbatim, uh, I got saying everybody else got crazy. Yeah, that's exactly what she said. Pacey is overjoyed to be spending time with Andy, but she doesn't appear as excited to see him, and when confronted by her boyfriend, Andy makes a shocking confession to sleeping with someone else, Mark. The other, as Pacey puts it, mental patient, and that's where I'm like, alright, if anyone on this show, despite them being the one who shouldn't be, is really fucking shitty about mental health, it's always Pacey. He's always got this mentality about it and he even says it earlier like if or later when he breaks up with her if my love wasn't strong enough to get through this then i don't know if it's strong enough at all i'm like your love will never be strong enough to defeat a mental illness pacey you've got to learn to help her with it not try to defeat it for her that's not how it works like he just doesn't understand mental illness at all and it really i understand that people don't understand it but it for his character specifically... It's also, he's 16 years old. No, I know, but I'm saying for his character specifically to be the one who's bad with it just doesn't seem to make sense with how with it he is on everything else. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe it's because he's directly affected by it and it's the woman he loves. He can't see the bigger picture. 
I'm sure that has a majority to do with it. Jack has an unexpected encounter with his father, who has returned to Capeside. And we already touched on that, and it ends up being a pretty good scenario. We don't need to talk about Mr. McPhee again. Let's talk about your predictions for none of the above. Which starts out with, so none of that shit happens, right? Faked me out on a dream prediction. Alright. So you still, still don't got Bodie. Accurate. Nailed it. We still don't got Bodie. They make it a point to tell us there's no Bodie by omitting him entirely. He comes back the last episode of the season, is your prediction. You say he'll come back all the way at the end. Do you still stick by that? Uh, Well, I'm going to say that he's definitely not in the next three-pack. Okay. There's going to be another couple of high school kids that are, like, doing the Cliff Chris angle. Uh, We're done with all of those other people. They just bring in new people, and I'm sure some of them will have tattoos. And we don't know about the tattoos, but they did exactly what you said. They just brought in a bunch of new people. Brought in Henry, the freshman Henry. quarterback. I love Henry. I love fucking Henry. Uh, let's hear about what happened in none of the above. Dawson is stunned when Eve presents him with an advanced copy of the PSAT exam he and his friends will be taking shortly. The entire gang are tempted to cheat for various reasons. I think that's untrue, because I feel like Joey, outside of the dreams she was having, was the only one who, from the outset, was very vocally like, this is a bad fucking idea, and you need to get rid of that test. I love how Pacey was exactly what I expected him to do the entire episode, where he's just like, he's like, no, he's like, I can literally have you, like, crib notes in 30 minutes. Yeah, he was like, like, if you give me that test, if you give me that test, I'll make this happen. And then later, when Eve is like, oh, you know who stole it. Hold on, we'll get to who stole it there in a second. Um, And when the test goes missing, it becomes obvious that one friend in particular was unable to resist the temptation. The implication made by Eve, and Dawson buys into it, I don't know if we were supposed to buy into it, is that Pacey's the one who took it. It's clear that he didn't. No, because if Pacey, if Pacey took it, he would have been, like, saying immediately, he would have been like, hey, I swiped it, don't worry. Oh, yeah. He'd have been like, Dawson, I got this shit, don't worry about it. He'd be like, let's do this. Like, I can make it so we are fucking getting good scores. In the quest to discover who stole the paper, Dawson gets into a fight with Pacey, who is still reeling from his breakup with Andy. Not only reeling, dead-ass drunk, and punches Dawson first... And then Dawson fucking, his lip was jacked up. There's a lot of blood coming out of that lip. And he hit the ground, too. Like, I didn't think Dawson had it in him to throw a punch like that. Well, I mean, Pacey was drunk. Dawson wasn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but usually, depending on how drunk you are, it'll loosen you up. It's going to make it a little bit easier for you to throw that punch and not feel the pain. But I think Pacey was on that other side of drunk. The way he came stumbling up that pier to Joey. And Joey... Joey taking care of his ass, bringing him a Pepsi later to put on his lip, calling his dad to make sure that he knows that he's safe and he's with her the right friendly now. friendly banter. Like, again, if you know that you're looking for it, it feels so beautiful that they're just weaving. Because it's not a main focus. All it is is them being friends, like they have been in the past. And in episode two, they even do a recall to when they go to see her dad in prison, when he helps her get in after visiting hours, when she helps him sneak in after visiting hours. Like, but in a way that it's not, like, just paying a guy off. She legitimately, like, pulled a gimmick for him to crawl on the floor and sneak into the hospital. And... It introduces us to another character, the 
the one that Andy cheats with Mark as another candidate for the Young Americans. We don't know unless he you played do a very or you look ooh, it up. I, I'm not saying anything, but I know of I'm all, not going to. Of all of all the new characters we met here, that did he even have a speaking line? Maybe one. Uh, yes, when when they got there, they were talking. He's the most inconsequential. Said something like, "Hey, it's 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 dinner time or something. I'm my, gonna go get dinner." My point is this: of any of the new people we met that had even a minor speaking role, he's absolutely the most insignificant, and I'm pretty sure he's still at the mental hospital. Yeah, exactly. That's a uh, oh, we're gonna go to for young Americans. <laughs> I, that's true. Maybe once again, I'm just trying to keep. I, you I'll tell you this. Set. I'll tell you this. I would, I on my preliminary list. Which I won't spoil for you, but I'll give you this little tidbit, this little nugget. Um, Mark is above Belinda on candidates. I think that's because no because his story is more interesting. Uh, I don't think either of their stories are interesting. Well, exactly, the- and that's what I'm saying. Out of those two, in particular, which one is more interesting? I'm going to have to say it is Mark. Again, not- next time on spending too much time on things that don't matter. As the gang takes the exam, the thief is revealed to be Andy. Not revealed. It was obvious from the fucking start that Andy is clearly the thief who is succumbing to the pressure of getting into a great school and all the other shit that's going on in her life right now. Like, it Especially was too now obvious. that she's got the thing off her chest of this big secret that she was keeping from Pacey that she needed to just say so she could live with herself. And then when it went the way that she didn't want, she's all like, all right, well, it's Harvard or bus now. Elsewhere, Jack is adamant he will be giving up football until a persistent Jen manipulates him into thinking otherwise. And again with that word manipulates, not a manipulation. That was No, that was a friend talking a friend up into doing something that's good for him, that he's good at and he feels good about, except for the fact that he's getting the shit kicked out of him because it's the first time he's ever played football. And I like that he's... Not super insistent, but kind of thinks the whole time, like, oh, it's because I'm gay. But Mitch and everyone are basically like, nah, dude, it's because you're new. It's because you're inexperienced. It's because you got to prove yourself. That has nothing yeah. to do with it. You're you're welcome on this team. You heard the applause he got when he came out at the fucking pep rally. It was oh, as big yeah. as anyone like, else. loved him, dude. And then, and then once he was able to get through that after, like, Henry helped him, he's all like, because Henry was like, dude, you need to, like, get a mantra, like, pump yourself up. He's like, you just need to keep going. When you can't go anymore, you need to get going. And then Jack's all like, all right, man, what's in it for you? And Hunter's like, dude, I'm a freshman. I need this opportunity. Plus, you can fucking catch. Like, I need to rely on those fucking hands. And then on top of it, I'm madly in love with Jen. And I need you to hook a brother up. Because I know that's your BFF. Whoever that first string quarterback was threw like four passes to the sidelines unintentionally, it seemed, and Jack caught them all. That's when Mitch noticed and Henry noticed because he was tailing Mitch, trying to talk himself into the game because he's a freshman and freshmen just don't start, even though he ends up starting because him and Jack are fucking the top duo on the football field. He's all like, he's like, you let me start and I'll bring in a ringer. And he's all like, perfect. What what I really like about the beginning of this season is it takes you from the end of season two, which was starting to get into some real dark territory for everybody. Like, 
it was heavy as shit. Season three comes in and kind of fucking hits a button that goes, all right, everyone coming into junior year is kind of going to get a refresh and a reboot almost and something fresh and new to do. Jack on the football team. Jen is the head cheerleader. Dawson following around this fantasy woman who comes out of nowhere and logically makes no fucking sense at all, but just steers every action that he's doing. Pacey... Well, Pacey's just being Pacey, really. (laughs) That's the thing with Pacey. So, here's the thing. I tried with the best friends in particular. Uh, And when I say best friends, you know that I mean uh, Dawson and Joey. I know you mean. With Dawson and Joey in particular, this season coming in, I tried to ignore the fact that I know the inevitable. Well, the the inevitable as far as... What you know happens to a point because you don't know how yeah. that relationship goes. No, That's exactly. The thing. I just know a little bit of knowledge that happens sometime soon. So it's an inevitable point to where I'm back in the dark. So it's kind of fun to look at it from that aspect. But on top of it, I've always got the underlying issue of, man, I really want these two to be together because, like you've said, like they've said, like everybody fucking knows they are soulmates. They deserve to be together. They should be together. Soulmates does not necessarily mean you should deserve or need to be together. It's a different kind of emotional and spiritual. I'm saying the concept of soulmates does not always result in romantic love. And again, not a commentary here, but just as a general thing, soulmates transcends romantic love. That's the whole idea. And sometimes it works out that way. And sometimes due to tragic circumstances, which Joey has said before is her favorite thing is unrequited love. Sometimes that's how it ends up, is unrequited. I don't understand why this needs to be tragic. It doesn't need to be tragic at all. In in fact... It's called drama, motherfucker! Dawson could... Like, he makes it obviously known to Pacey early that he's like, no, I'm going to tell her it's over, I'm going to tell her it's over, I'm going to tell her it's over. The minute he... The second he sees her, he's like, "Uh, I'm going to fold. I'll immediately go back with her. And... And that's because he wants to. He's in love with her. But a part of him says, no, this isn't right right now, even though it will be down the line. Which See, you're, that's where you are projecting, because he never, ever even necessarily implies it'll be right down the line. He says it's that's not what right I now. Got. That's what, that's you what get. I got out of it. I don't. All I get is it's not right now for us to be this way. And he, she comes into his room at the party. Doesn't even, she's already there. Like people love to do, just be waiting in Dawson's room, straddles him, takes her shirt off, makes the move. And he's like, nah, this isn't right. This isn't right now. And she even says something about like, you know, ever since like, you know, all this shit's been going on, you become a different person. You're all about sex and stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Joey? He just turned you down. If you were all about sex, he would have had sex with you right there. He's not all about sex. There's other, the, the mystery of Eve and coming off of this gigantic ordeal with Joey, the combination of those two things, I think is why Eve is the attraction to him right now, even beyond sex. That, that intrigue, the mystery, the danger. What bothers me as a first time viewer, obviously I don't know what happens. I have a desire for something to happen. That's just how I get when I watch things i want i get it i get that i'm just i want to be satisfied i don't care about everybody else and i'm I also again satisfied i'm not saying you won't be satisfied i just want to be offering the other side of the equation for you to consider 
That's all I'm here to do. Because I could be arguing something from the episode one that turns out to be true. They could absolutely get married in the fucking series finale, and I'm just going to try and dissuade you the entire show. That could be it, right? That could be it, right? But who, who knows? So I know, here's my but thing. you don't. Here's my thing. So I'm getting agitated as a viewer, as someone who's supposed to be highly invested in this Dawson-Joey storyline where he could potentially be getting exit like literally here's here's my also one of my real big fucking beefs with it has he not see frank deal drugs with pete what does that have to do with this we don't it's the it's the reason they broke up because dawson couldn't not but what does it's that have to just, do with anything right now? What does that have to do with anything? We've already talked about how absurd that is, but it already happened. Joey already overreacted. Dawson already got shunned and felt the hurt and went to Philly. Like, we're past that. That doesn't matter. And that's the thing. It Had that not happened, they wouldn't even have dealt but it with did, all that. But it did happen. We can't talk. Now you're talking about past hypotheticals. If you want to talk about future hypotheticals, that's fair. We can do future hypotheticals. But to go back and talk about what could have happened is a futile exercise that will not engage in with you. We won't do that. It did happen, and this is where we're at. Dawson went to Philly and, and learned some things I about himself. I just think he's being fucking stupid by turning down exactly what It's not what he I wants anymore. Wants. It's not what he wants anymore. You are... You think you know what Dawson wants so hard because it's what you want. And you just gave yourself away by saying, this is Dawson and Joey is what the show wants me to care about. Not necessarily. They want you to care, care about every character in all the storylines. And if that leads away from Dawson and Joey, that's not a betrayal of the heart of the show. That's just how people grow and learn. You're just so deeply invested that you can't veer from that path even when you know that him and Joey don't get together this season at all. You're still like, yeah, but yeah, but like, it, it's insane to me. It's insane to me. Like, I'm, I, I'm invested. You've given me two fucking seasons to be in fucking invested. But can't you learn to be less invested in something? No. <laughs> okay. You go all, all right, in. Oh, because, all right. Well, Pacey, they're going all in. Here's how obvious they're being. So I want to point out a few things about e- each episode here uh, before we kind of, you know, move along. At one point when Pacey and, and, and Dawson are talking early in the episode, episode one, like a virgin, Pacey describes Joey's eyes to Dawson as truly, truly remarkable brown eyes. And the way he says it and all that, it's just like, oh shit, he's already, and we knew already, but he's got a thing for her physically already. He is hot for Joey. But now he's going to become good friends with Joey because he's, quote-unquote, looking after her. All all bets are off, man. All right. So as ridiculous as my guess was for having a party to end season two, it was one episode off. Yeah, that's And it makes a lot more sense being in the beginning (laughs) of season three and and being episode one but uh, i mean once great... again dude, i was close on on the timeline of when something like that was gonna happen i think that's pretty good i think it's just random chance that you happen to be that close to mm. it i don't think there's any like you were feeling it and if you would have just waited I one was more week totally feeling it all right um here's because what I once was again feeling. i said that the best friends were gonna have sex in that past episode and they didn't they have sex in this one either though 
No, but they could have if Dawson wanted to. They always could have, but they don't, and they didn't hear. You they can't not give always yourself, could have. You can't give yourself fucking credit for something that almost happened either, even oh, when it didn't I'm giving myself almost partial happen. credit. You're not getting credit for anything. I'm the host. I make the decisions what you get credit for. No credit On for my you, credit Chuck. tally sheet, I'm getting double credit. It means nothing. I'm the credit bureau, baby, and you are being disputed. Um, here's one thing that I loved Double about check. this episode. During the cheerleader tryouts, one of the girls that Belinda runs down is being like fat and ugly or whatever, who I actually thought was way more attractive than Belinda. Not that that's important, but she cheers. We don't want to wait for this game to be over. And I was fucking dying. I was like, they just put the theme song, which I've been deprived of in season three. It's gone now. Now I'm back with what you've got. I got Run Like Mad by Jan Arden, which I'm already used to it again. I do like the song, but it is a cheap replacement for the real thing. That's uh, something our listeners don't have to worry about because they don't have to wait. Because every Monday we are back. Did you... Did you re-record that again? Because I feel like when I listened to it this week, it sounded better than it did before. Or maybe I just... No, did not. Okay, well, it sounds really good, Chuck. That's all I want to say, man. You nailed it there. I'm a great singer. So when... I think... Is that all I got here for for episode one that really matters? We've kind of discussed everything that matters. Mitch comes home, busts up the party. That's how that comes to an end. So, he comes back yeah. from his coaching conference, and he's like, Dawson! And uh, Eve's like, come run away on my boss's boat with me. And he's like, nah, man, I gotta go pay the piper. I fucked up. And she's I like, do, yeah, that's but another we'll be... Thing where I'm just like, I she don't makes the right understand... Call. I don't understand a lot of the decisions that Dawson's making. It's because he's half in, half out. He doesn't know what he wants. He wants to be the good guy that he's used to being, but he wants to be the bad boy that Eve is tempting him to be, and he just can't put a foot in one camp or the other, and he keeps making the wrong decision in each situation. When he yeah, be dude, because, like, okay, you're already this far in, right? And she even says, like, hey, like, what good is it going to do for you to go back right now when you could come with me? And spend the night with me, basically, and deal with this tomorrow. She's Because she even says, like, what's the difference between tonight and tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, hello, Dawson. You can fuck this chick right fucking now if you just go. You can you bang her in her me? boss's boat. Now, all right, now, realistically speaking, maybe Mitch would have, when Dawson first came back, be a little more pissed because Dawson just disappeared from his own house that he thought Mitch wasn't going to be at. But as soon as Mitch finds out that Dawson lost his virginity because of that night, oh, Mitch is immediately going to be like, he'll be like, oh, well, then Mitch would help, love me it. Clean, help me clean up the house and we'll call exactly. it in, Dawson. I got a coach tomorrow. Perfect. He's like, hey, he's like, hey, you can just do this fucking propaganda film. We'll call it fucking square. Pay for the boat. Because that's apparently how he made all this money. So, you know what? I'm good. So, <laughs> like, so, so, so keeping on the Dawson having sex track, moving into Homecoming. And now let's keep in mind, these first, both of these first two episodes did not start in the bedroom. First one started on a bus. Second one started at school. The third one was back in the bedroom, Dawson and Eve. Yeah, at this point, I feel like... I just want to point it out because it's fun for me now. It's not about your prediction anymore. It's just I like seeing when they go back to Dawson's room as the home, the as Joey calls his doc, Magnetic North. I think Dawson's bedroom, an episode with it, like that starts there, is going to be a big episode for Dawson. And none of the above puts him on the wire pretty hard. Joey's back on riding his ass, and this is where Dawson shows his 
patience again where she's like, all you blondes and blah, 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 blah. And he just looks at her and goes, are you done? Which has to be super aggravating for her. Well, but he keeps it cool. In the first episode, the Lego Virgin at that that end part, um, that's where I kind of wrote down to, like, this is also where Dawson, like, this is the beginning of seeing Dawson push Pacey to Joey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd already mentioned that earlier in the show. Like, it made it obvious that, because, it's again, it's in the first episode. He's like, I need you to look after her. Even though she won't admit it, she needs someone to be there for her. And I can't be that person right now. That is such a clear opening for, yes, please fall in love with my best friend right now. And, oh, my God. Well, so Dawson in this episode, one of the funniest scenes I think this episode has ever, or this show has ever had up to this point when he's going to buy condoms at the store. And he's looking and the guy comes up. And all those up, people and, just start talking to him. Well, the first guy comes up and he's like, Big Nightery is stocking up. And Dawson's like, uh, both? And so dude starts running down like back in the day, you used to have two options. Now there's a million options. This other guy comes up and he's like, the glow in the dark don't work. And then some old lady comes up and she's like, get the brown Betty, it'll blow her mind. And then they all grab the brown, well, Dawson doesn't grab the brown Betty, but the other guys do. Yeah. So in, in Homecoming... Uh, one of the first things I actually wrote down for this was uh, Andy's either falling for some, for this guy or definitely banged him. Oh, yeah, because she's being super weird right off the bat. Like, even in the room, which, honestly, to just show up and surprise someone a night early is kind of a dick maneuver, even if you think it's sweet. At least give me a heads up that you're coming so I can be prepared. Even, not in a sense of, a, so I can hide what i'm trying to hide but just in general like if you're coming to get me let me know so i can pack my shit and be ready to go when you get here or whatever just never fucking surprise me please but but he doesn't seem weirded out at first but then as the conversation goes on in the bedroom and joey somehow found her way in there too i don't know how she snuck in but she comes in there and she seems to pick up on the vibe immediately like oh, oh yeah some something happened here and so when they go to leave, she's being super evasive with Pacey, and he's gotten it by now. Like, there's a distance here that I don't understand at all. Throughout the whole episode, he's like, can we have a romantic night tonight? She's like, no, I want to hang out with everyone. And then, there, you know, at some point, he's like, if I didn't know any better, I'd think my girlfriend was trying to avoid spending time with me. And that's when he pulls her out of the pep rally, and they have the talk, and she's like, you need to shut up until I finish saying what I'm saying. He's like, okay. And that's when she's like, explains how it happened, that she slept with Mark. And that's the end of that. Pacey's done. For, I mean, for now, we see he's done. Oh, yeah. He was pretty, like, understandably angry. And I can understand him not wanting to give her a chance. Like, I can see that being a deal breaker and just being like, you know what? No, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm happy you're sorry. And, uh, unfortunately, like, I am not going to be able to get past that. And as much as you are sorry, I would just need to not do this because I won't be able to do it. Like, I can respect that. Um, I also disagree with how he describes, you know, being like, well, I'm just not going to be able to defeat this disease. So I got to throw in the towel. Like, that's a stupid reasoning for coming to that conclusion. But... Um, that's my thoughts on that. 
Well, by the end of the episode, Joey ends up on, on Dawson's dock, where, again, she refers to it as her magnetic north. And they end up, like, being like, all right, we're cool with each other. And, like, she asks, like, does every Joey have a Dawson or whatever? And he's like, I hope so. Like, he ends up giving her his necklace that he's been wearing throughout the entire show that has been made a focal point of his outfits and was actually made by James Vanderbeek's mom in real life, made him that necklace. Um, so I picked up on that, but I didn't notice that significance of it, to be honest. It's a piece of trivia I picked up a while back that just kind of stuck in my head. Like, I didn't write it down to use it, but when I saw it happen, I was like, oh, I remember that's the thing that I read at some point. So like, by so, the end of this, the idea is the best friends are cool again. They're best friends. Uh, I, it's uneasy, but they're they're good. I did write down in a homecoming episode that um, Dawson may not or may be better off with Joey not in his life because he seemed to be having a legitimately good time with Eve and the mystery of it and stuff like that. And it might just be the the fact that it's, it's new and exciting, but... Like, he seemed to be enjoying that his peers were also cheering him on and the popularity and... That's a dangerous thing to chase. A different side of it. Um, I would say, and it's funny that you didn't put this caveat in there because I'm the the Dawson and Joey cynic, but I would say, and you probably meant this, uh, he's better having her out of his life for now. I think they do need the break that they've kind of been insinuating at. Like, to learn to grow away from each other, which is something Joey brought up early on. They both need to learn how to function without each other being tied to every moment. They need to truly step away and do things separately from each other. Don't just come show up on my dock. Call me ahead of time if you want to see me. But even that, like, let's keep this limited. We need to truly step back. And we'll talk when it feels right, you know, like, but for right now, but I guess that's the problem. When, when is right? Is right two weeks from now? For one of them, maybe. Joey seems ready to go again, you know, but here she is stuck, jealous of a blonde coming in from out of town. Oh, and that's the thing. She's been waiting three months or maybe not three months because she was probably mad uh, a portion of that, maybe a, a couple of weeks to a month, maybe a little bit longer, but let's... I would assume she was probably mad for a couple of weeks to maybe a month. I bet you Bessie started talking to her about it pretty early on. It might not even have been that long. Because, you know, Bessie was like, Dawson just did. I feel like Bessie would not have been mad at Dawson for that. No, she would have been like, uh, he did the right thing. She understood what happened. And I I think Bessie would have been in Joey's ear being like, you could be mad at Dad, but there's no reason to be mad at Dawson. And that's why she's immediately like, I fucked up. That's why she lies to Bessie about how their first encounter went by saying it went at all. Because I think her and Bessie had probably come to the same mindset a long time ago. Like, you need to make up with Dawson because he is... What does Bessie even say? Like, if there's one thing I know for certain, it's that you two belong together. There's a yeah. lot of things that there's a lot of things that Bessie knows for certain. Like, like she doesn't always... have Bodie in her life anymore. She's real certain of that, but it she's all... more certain that, <laughs> that always. That... There's things in this show that always pull me back in that reasoning of, okay, yeah, Dawson and Joey do belong together because everybody says it. Everybody. But that's also it part up. of that's also part of what might make it the wrong thing because it's 
too obvious. You know, like sometimes when they tell you this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, that's a sign that it's not the right idea. Maybe that was a good idea when they were 12. But they're different people now. Bessie and all of them are still looking at them as the twelve cute 12-year-olds that fell in love with each other before they knew what that meant. But now they're older and they've gone through these experiences. They've grown apart a bit. They've grown in different directions. It's a different... I feel like it's just... It's weird to push that kind of love on people. I think it's weird to push love on anyone in any situation. So there was another couple of things for episode two that I wrote down. Um... I wrote like my reaction to one thing in particular was wow like damn Jen when she was talking about that ice cream uh, oh. Oh, conversation oh, you know. she was having with Dawson and that was very uh, very if good. you if you don't get the whipped cream all over your face you're not doing it right oh yeah I fucking lost it well she said, she said like, because Dawson's obviously a virgin, and she like walks up to him and sees a box of condoms in his bag, and she's like, oh, fuck, like, that's a big surprise. And she's like, all right, here's, here's a problem that most dudes have, pacing. What do you think you're going to be, too fast or too slow? And he's like, basically, I don't fucking have any clue what you're talking about. And she's like, all right, let me break it down to you with an ice cream cone metaphor. And then describes eating an ice cream cone too fast or too slow, or whatever. It just gets real sexual. It was very sexually suggestive scene one of the more sexually suggestive scenes in terms of language oh, yeah. in my oh, in yeah. my opinion that was that was uh an erotic scene for high schoolers to be having but again jen just having a good old time dispensing advice to her old buddy dawson being head cheerleader living it up like, uh, again, also another season thing three jen in this episode that uh I wrote down that pertains to Jen and uh it was Henry and Jen. I'll I'll subscribe to that. You you're on I board like for Michael that? Pitt. I like you're Michael on board Pitt, for that? So I'm on board with it one hundred percent. I mean I think you understand how shows like this work, so you're probably gonna get what you want out of that. Like they're not gonna hint at that kind of relationship and not deliver on it, right? I hope I'm not spoiling yeah, man, anything the, for you there. The, you know, the quarterback, she's the head cheerleader. It makes sense. Sweet, young, innocent, inexperienced. Someone who has seen and done a lot of things that someone her age necessarily shouldn't have seen and done. So you've got this total opposites attract sort of thing going on. You've already got Jack in the middle when Henry approaches him laughing and going, <laughs> Good luck, motherfucker. You're a freshman, bitch. And uh, last but not least uh, was uh, Pacey breaking up with Andy. And my reaction initially is, I don't like this. And then it was followed up by, there's a lot of things in those first two episodes I'm not sure I like. But there are a handful of things I love. And that's the thing about the first three episodes is they're setting up a lot really of things. really like the Jack and Jen. It's um, so good the mighty alliance we have rolling here that is the best thing to start season three along with the uh three different shifts in like sort of characters of pacey and the third season 
character of Dawson, who has thus had a different character in every season so far. So, so here's how. Let's let's. I hate to delve down a road right here, but I feel like it's important. When we start out this show, it's made clear that the show is about Dawson and Joey and their dynamic. That's season one. Season two introduces, and even by Kevin Williamson's admission himself and the story arc itself, Pacey becomes just as important a character to the show as those two. The Pacey's Pond reference he makes, the Pacey's Creek crack that you'd made like so i'd say i put those three on even footing at the end of season two season three is when it really starts to show it's just as much about what happens with pacey as it is about what happens with joey and dawson they are all in terms of especially because they're pushing for this pacey joey love angle jen as important as she is to the show always remains as she fears that she will outside of that threesome They've been together Agreed. since they were kids, and they will always be the most important. And season two solidified it. Season three makes it known. Pacey's just as important. So you got to see these changes and know, like you were kind of hitting that earlier, Dawson and Joey is where the show is headed. It's really not, though. It could be headed anywhere that involves those three characters and not even necessarily together in the end. You know, like it could be anything. And I think that show has also shown that to this point. They're willing to pretty much put these characters in any emotional situations with and against each other. And we'll see what happens. No one's truly learned to hate anyone yet, but could it happen? Could there be a true turning of a friendship because of what happens ahead? I don't know. I feel like if Joey was able to come around after like the maximum three months time on something like what happened to her... Because uh, I could understand her blaming Dawson for a, a little bit of time, but at the same time, like I don't think it makes sense for her to blame Dawson. So um, I feel like if something like that really couldn't come between them, unless someone's doing like I, it'd have to be real, real bad. And even I've op- even I, there's I've a foreshadowing. A, okay. At the very end of this episode, very end oh. of episode three, there's okay. a a line that is uh uh a foreshadow oh i know the one and that's where dawson's like to pacey's like if we're ever gonna beat the crap out of each other it should at least be out over a chick yes absolutely he definitely says i'm like oh okay so they're gonna fight later physically over joey maybe maybe it's physically they already fought physically this episode they fought physically before he even said that you think it's going to get physical again? You don't think it's going to turn more into an emotional, you betrayed me sort of thing? It could, but it's going to start physical. Okay. Uh, so we're on to episode three, none of the above. What have we not touched on in this that happens? Because they got the SATs coming, or the PSAT coming up. And as they say, like, you don't need to take this. But if you're looking for a little extra juice, like Joey's National Merit Scholarship, or whatever the fuck else, you want to take it. Before you take the actual SAT. I don't know. I never had to take either. So the big thing I got out of this was. um, Okay, Dawson's Creek, you think you're being real sly by um, having Andy be the one who stole it when you were pretty obvious that that's who it was. Also, they're they're not sly. They did the same thing with the the note that Pacey wrote back in sex. She wrote like it was obvious who it was who had sex. 
Same here. It was also, obvious you stole that test. There was like, Eve, I can't tell if you're the new and improved Abby or if you're just some throwaway three-pack character. I'm not saying she's just another throwaway three-pack character, but she's not Abby either. She's a totally different beast than Abby. She is legitimately like a fantasy that comes in like a dream character that floats in. It makes no sense. Where is she living at? What is she doing with her time? Where is anybody in her life? If Pacey didn't see her, you could, like, and... Well, everyone has seen her now. And if, you know, that scene where the whole school sees her and Dawson didn't see her, you could legitimately be like, is Dawson going crazy? I think you might have been able to play that out first episode. Yes, you could make that argument. But by the second episode where she's revealed in the in the pep rally, it's like, okay, no, Eve is obviously a real person. Here's all right, here's something I want to point out from this episode. It's been a while since Dawson's Creek has revealed its uh, pedophilic tendencies by saying that underage girls are having inappropriate relationships with overage men because men are fucking terrible. And that's shown by Joey's creepy boss who pulls the... Yes, you can have Friday night off so you can study for the PSATs. Oh, hi, by the way, Saturday, do you want to go on a date with me? Oh, no? Okay, that's cool. Then Joey makes a mistake at work, and he's like, okay, that's coming out of your check. You can't have Friday night off. Fuck you. And Joey's like, oh, it's because you're Bruce's little ego. You won't go on a date with me. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. How old and is that? And that was guy? after he walked in on her changing. How, oh, dude, that was in the first episode. Just blatantly walked in, was unashamed about it. Took, like, leering down at her chest like this dude i didn't catch his name i don't remember what it is he's already obviously gone to college because he's done the psats and all that shit he's not he's a creepy older man doing creepy shit and then eve reveals and i i mean he could have been like 19 but i doubt it no he's he's way older than that he looks like he's 30 that's what i'm saying like He's, it's not appropriate. But then Eve also reveals that growing up, she too had a boy next door. She was an army brat, and that boy next door just happened to be her dad's commanding officer. Inappropriate for so many reasons. Yeah. Those were back-to-back scenes that happened. I'm like, okay, so it's been a while since Jen talked about sleeping with some door guy as a 13-year-old. So you're going to slap me back-to-back with two really inappropriate scenes involving... uh, Just, it was... It really caught me off guard. It came out of nowhere, and I was like, why? Why are you doing this again? Because Dawson's Creek loves to bring, bring attention to... Do you think so Mitch is going to end up sleeping with a student? Mitch? Mitch. Will he sleep with one of his God, football players? <laughs> Mitch be gay? No, I'm kidding. I'm making a joke. Not that like, being gay I is a joke. I mean, that's be, wrong. You'd be saying, like, is Mitch going to uh, have sex with Jack then? Because he lives next door. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not. I mean, if you want to go down that route, then I that's would say it's you. not going to happen. Well, when Jen was manipulating him into playing football, she was saying maybe he was on this path to meet a special someone in the same situation. Maybe that special someone is his brand new football coach who talked him into doing this by saying they could both use a good thing right now. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. Um, (laughs) 
So, so after Dawson loses the test, him and Eve go back in after hours with a flashlight to try and find it, and a security guard rolls up. And I'm like, okay, what time is it? It's dark outside. So, eight, maybe? What time of year is it? I don't know. Let's say it's about eight o'clock, right? Do they have, like, 24-hour security roaming mm-hmm. the halls of the school after hours? What's going on at Cape Side? Yeah, why do they have security there? At like, like you're saying, like eight or nine o'clock at night. It, it have to be. It was definitely dark out. So it just felt really weird that that was happening. And I'm also wondering, Dawson, why would you go back and search the library after hours and dark? It didn't just fall off the table and get moved somewhere. Someone who grabbed it didn't just hide it in the library. Whoever took that clearly left the room with it. That's yeah, just the I don't bad... understand going back there. It makes no sense. He's not a detective. He's a filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's pretty much all i got on this episode like not much happened except for well, more setting up for pacey joey um jack all right so jack's having a hard time in football this episode because he can't get through the shoot man this is a problem he's gonna have for a while moving forward in a different way but in this context he overcomes it by listening to henry's advice and finding a mantra which was fuck. basically just him saying fuck it was f-u-g so when you yell fug, it just sounds like fuck. Fug! Or at least it did when he had a mouth guard in. Maybe it didn't right there. But I thought that it's was fug, funny. Fog, right? No, fug. F-U-G. Is that what you said? I thought it was fog. F-O-G? No, he, he spelled it. He literally spelled the word in the episode. F-U-G. Oh, I, I missed that. I thought he said oh, fog. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, because then after he gets through the shoot saying fug... Henry starts yelling fug, running straight at Jen full speed, and then just moves off and runs around the side of her. And Jen's like, what the hell was that? Yeah, I didn't understand that. He's a dude. He's a weird dude. You'll see. Oh, dude, you're going to get to know Henry. Uh, Well, in episode when he first saw us, because he was coming up being introduced as the the first freshman starting quarterback. And he like trips getting on the stage. Meets eyes with Jen, instantly falls in love, goes to pick up his football. That like I know I'm saying that my final prediction's coming in at the season finale of season three for Dawson's Creek. But like the front runner is easily Henry after this three pack. I I think that's a fair position. I would say Eve has to be in second, but at the same time, I'm worried that a character could be fucking done and gone disappeared who the fuck knows she came out of nowhere she came out of nowhere she could easily disappear back to nowhere and that's That's my biggest fear i don't fear that's gonna happen with henry because he's a fucking freshman and a quarterback but wouldn't it make sense for a character that could easily just disappear to be pulled off a show mid-season to have their own spinoff that starts mid-season in real life when they're looking for half-season replacements like Dawson's Creek itself was? From a business Maybe. and actual TV standpoint, you could look at it from that angle. Just saying. Maybe. So that's really it, man. Yeah, that's all I got to say about that episode. Uh, it, it was less interesting and impactful i think than the two episodes that came before it was kind of more of like establishing the status quo of what the first two episodes had given us and the next three packs gonna ramp things back up again um and speaking of which let's get to your predictions for those um episode four i can't wait to hear what you've got to say about this home movies 
home movies, huh? So my prediction is the kids are in school and have to do a project where they have to look at some past home movies. So they're digging through all these things and find a bunch of old memories of uh, their childhood and it brings up turmoil for some of the characters such as Andy and Jen who can't get a hold of any of her home movies because she doesn't talk to her parents anymore because it's not a good time for them. Is that all you got for home movies? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the that- fuck that's going to go on with that. That's that's fine. I just wanted to make sure I don't want to cut you off if you're not done. Episode 5. And they don't give you a whole lot here. I'm sorry. Indian Summer. Oh, so it's going to be a, a bloody good time with a bunch of football. And Jack's going to hit the rough patch before they finally win a game. And, uh, yeah, we'll say they win a game. That's what happens in Indian Summer. Episode 6. Secrets and lies. So a lot of things have been happening with the group. The kids on the creek. You know, the best friends aren't best friends anymore. I mean, they're kind of best friends again, but they're like not as good. The real best friends have kind of become now, like you were saying, the Mighty Alliance, Jack and Jen, with a little side sprinkling of fucking fan favorites, uh, Grams. Um, Betsy still doesn't have Bodie. Fucking Joey is, you know, slowly but surely getting driven into the arms of Pacey. And Andy. I, I like, I like just, that you go with, with driven into the arms of, as if, like, she's being forced there. I feel like it's just going to be a more natural progression of things. Um, Andy <laughs> is just kind of like, it's Harvard or bust. So she's focused. And Jack is just kind of like, I don't know, trying to Playing hook football? fucking, trying to hook Henry up with fucking uh, Jen. Now, at what point do you think Jack starts pursuing his own romantic relationships? When does that become a factor in the storylines? I mean, it's got to happen at some point or another, but we haven't been introduced to another gay character, so. It's not hard for them to introduce new characters. You've seen that. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, at some point, somewhere along the way, we're going to get a new character. A new gay what character. If, that. What if Henry's gay and he's using Jen as a cover for his true feelings of Jack, who we actually approached at first? Hmm? I kind of <laughs> thought that was where they could have gone with it, but immediately was like, nah, I don't think that's where it's going to go. No, they made it pretty clear he fell goo goo gaga in love with Jen right Oh, uh, yeah. Like that romantic comedy, love at first sight, meet cute kind of shit. Oh, yeah, it was real obvious. That, that this show desperately needed. That's the kind of lighthearted, cute shit I need in my life. And that's what I'm saying about last season. By the end, no one had a lighthearted storyline. Everyone's life was fucked at the end of season two. Everybody's. Everyone was doing really, really bad at the end of season two. So for season three to come in, and despite there being a lot of change in the characters from the last three months, like there's been growth and progression, and you've seen Jen, it seems like, instead of 
waffling back and forth between getting fucking hammered all the time and then trying to be good and not really liking either one has found peace at home with Jack and Grams and seems to be living that kind of good life that she should have been doing through season two. It just took Abby fucking dying and her grandma kicking her out and a whole bunch of other trauma to happen for her to go, hold up, hold up, I need to just chill and be She seems to just being, like, honest, but not having to be, like, shit-faced to be honest. Because she was over at Dawson's party in episode one, and Jack was there, too, but they... They didn't show them being fucking wild, crazy motherfuckers at the party. They were just chilling. They're like, Dawson's having a party. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't we be here? If nothing else, we're an extra set of eyes to make sure the house doesn't burn down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we can help be kind of responsible for what's happening here. Um, and we're going to find out more about what happens there in the next three-pack that's coming at you next Monday. Four, five, and six that I just told you the titles of and I already forgot and don't feel like looking at again. Uh, you can listen to it in every other episode of Creek Chat, 50 Randy Quades, and Cage Talk, which I haven't done one of those in a while, man. feels weird, this gap between Cage Talks. I miss it. I miss Nick Cage. I, from If you listen to me from my first appearance on Cage Talk, I, can I take it aside here for Cage for a moment on Creek Chat and just talk about how the great appreciation I've gained for him as a performer... An artist, an actor, a man. His output, as questionable in quality as it may be in times, is absolutely balanced out by his brilliant performances in so many movies. I feel like I'm going to get done recording now and watch a Nick Cage movie just to bring myself back together. When's the next Cage talk? Can you let us know and let our listeners know? So, um, I want you to keep that same level of enthusiasm in september when it is the second installment of the month oh baby so it's close oh it's close but as i was getting at before i got swept away with my love for the one true god um you can listen to all that on itunes was it apple apple podcasts is that the new thing um pod one 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 republic podcast that's not right where else can you listen to it chuck uh victorandyquades.com that's the one that i always get and i didn't get it this time i was too busy trying to remember apple podcasts is itunes not a thing for that anymore should i not say itunes i don't know it doesn't matter i I'm know say apple podcast is a thing though here's what i know is a thing 50randyquades.com you can always go there the traffic is welcome if there's an ad click on it we'll probably get some money for it listen to every episode like rate review subscribe you can do all of those things if you want to yeah um also facebook page i put every episode on there mostly perfect and while you're doing that and until the next episode we be creaking. creaking.